Hi guys, here we are today with Salama Belgali, um, head, sorry, global head of business development and partnerships at BitMEX. Uh, Salama, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Nice to see you, Lawrence. Good to see you again. How have you been? Well, surviving. <laughs> I guess like anybody in this industry, right? It's definitely an interesting time. Um, I'm I'm very fortunate that I get to speak with a lot of companies, probably get to see behind the scenes a lot more what's going on. Um, there's definitely a lot more anxiety than there was, say, a month ago. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think that there's also a lot of opportunity. And I think it's fair to say that actually for BitMEX, um, been a very exciting time. Um, um, so in fact, why don't we just, let, let's just start off with that. In terms of BitMEX, mission, vision, values, where are you guys at? What are you building? What is it that you're really looking to achieve next year? Well, I mean, the mission and vision of BitMEX have been pretty steady and continuous during the time. Um, we always had these guidelines clear since BitMEX has been grounded in, um, created in uh, 2014. So we exist to provide institutional and professional traders a platform that delivers and lets them succeed safe in the knowledge their funds are secure and segregated. This is very important for our founders to provide our traders the best experience by having the best liquidity and capital efficiency, low latency and reliable availability. So you have to imagine when the founders of BitMEX created BitMEX at that time, they had the idea. It was the time when crypto was for retail, right? <laughs> and their vision was to bring um, crypto to institutional clients. And that is why the products are also pretty much focused on professional and institutional clients. We are exclusively, we have been exclusively a crypto derivatives platform until this year when we created the spot exchange. And, and, and what does that mean in terms of, obviously you guys are growing like very rapidly. Um, does, does that change your, like your core offering or does it change the, the overarching mission for BitMEX? Uh, you mean uh, related to the latest events or? No, no, I, I wasn't, I wasn't actually, I, I didn't mean in terms of that, but um, I, I, I just, I just meant in terms of it's, you know, in terms of what you guys are doing, I think that you're growing, uh, correct me if I'm, wrong, if I'm wrong, but you guys have been growing very, very rapidly. As you said, you only founded in 2014, which you're still a young company. Uh, well, I mean, eight years in this world is, is, is very old right? <laughs> I mean, we've been around for a very, very long time. And BitMEX has been around uh, for a very long time. It's it's actually the very first crypto derivatives exchange in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. And, I did not know and that. We invented the perpetual swap, which is actually the most traded product worldwide. Now, if I remember well, the latest numbers I looked up, it was 80% of the global volumes were uh, are still a perpetual swap. So we invented it. So uh, we've been around for a long time. We we did the ups and downs, all the sorts of uh, roller coasters. So actually this winter or bear market, whatever you want to call it, it's just one of, <laughs> and uh, yeah. One of many for you. This isn't, this this, this essentially is, isn't the first time you guys have seen this. No. 
AES, yeah, I think, so again, for companies like Rayon, like we're very young. So I think for us, this is the first time we're just like, what the hell? You know, and, and my background is equities. So I'm very used to like bear markets and so forth. But the, the crypto industry is obviously very different to like the equities or the bond market or anything like that. I mean, of course, we can start discussing about like, uh, oh, is this similar to that time or this time? We can also start comparing the magnitude. At the end, I think at every period, it's all about uncertainty. I remember um, in, in 2017, we, we were also not sure if Bitcoin is going to be there or not. And this is, again, the same kind of questions that people are asking themselves today. Is Bitcoin going to go to zero? Is still Bitcoin going to still go to 100,000, to 1 million? We don't know. Do you know the funny thing is, so, you know, our, our, it's, it's obviously a very good stress test for, for Bitcoin particularly. Um, I think that... Our, I've been I've been a bit of contra I've contradicted myself at times because there are certain days where I'm I'm thinking actually Bitcoin I struggle sometimes with the utility I understand the store of value um, that that it can offer um, but you know I've definitely been a believer at times and probably still now that it, it is gonna it is gonna go up in value like there's if anything there's more demand sorry apologies not demand because it's going down but there's more necessity in many ways. Uh, for something like Bitcoin. And as time goes on, you know, it just becomes further. These are just stress tests, right, for, for what is a new technology in many ways. Absolutely. I mean, look, if you're you're still sticking to crypto industry and working the long hours that we <laughs> we are all working and still having the dedication, uh, that's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of efforts. Uh, that's a lot of sacrifices that, that people working in this industry are going through. So you need somehow to be a strong believer in Bitcoin first and in the whole industry and the whole technology. And, and what, what's your background? So again, how have, you, how have you ended up in this world? And more, more specifically, how have you ended up at BitMEX? Oh, my background. Uh, so my background is uh, pure thread fee. So I've been um, working for quite a long time uh, in structuring uh, structural products uh, for a small Swiss investment bank here in Zurich. Um, I don't know if you guys know very reverse convertibles, but this is a very popular product in Switzerland for several reasons. Uh, it, it sells really like hotcakes. And uh, why is it so popular here? It's because um, people can withdraw taxes from one part of the coupon. So this is a product which pays a coupon, but you're not paying taxes on the full coupon, only on the interest rate part of the coupon. And that made these products extremely popular, especially when the interest rates were uh, very low. So you can imagine. <laughs> Do you have to pay capital gains tax on it? Um, if I don't, I mean. No, you don't have to pay up. I mean, in Switzerland, you don't have to pay capital gains uh, on it. So you, you pay uh, the, the taxes on the interest rate part, but uh, the the other part where you've been selling the option and getting the premium, it's tax free. So that's why it's it, it's popular. being very very popular, and it is actually still very popular. And I mean, and how how's that led up to you getting to um, joining Bitmax? Uh, so joining Bitmax. Um, so actually, there was a, a pivotal moment in my career. Uh, so when I was still working in TradeFee. I was involved in structuring the very first certificate uh, on Bitcoin. That was, we're talking about 2016. 
And there was really the very first time where I came so close from Bitcoin. I mean, before that, I was like anybody else. Like I hear Bitcoin here, Bitcoin there, all the scandals, you know, the Silk Road, etc., the Darknet. And I kind of like stayed away, especially working for a Swiss bank. You don't want to get into trouble. You don't want to come no. too close from these things. Um, yeah, but when, when I was involved in structuring that product, I kind of went down the rabbit hole. So I was kind of like uh, doing my research. Um, yeah, so I think the seed was planted in there. So I bought my first Bitcoin. Of course, I sold it. Of course, I lost wallets. Of course, I got scammed all sorts of things. But long story short, um, I decided to join this uh, industry, um, professionally speaking, um, about two years ago. And here I am. And there's no looking back. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster of a, of a, of a two years. But I, I think, again, I can't help but feel, I said this recently, um, I feel that this is just an opportunity to like really like separate the wheat from the chaff and you're going to have like the really strong companies are just going to come out far, far stronger, far, far superior from this. Um, and there's still like, it's again, it feels like an old industry, but relatively speaking, it's still a baby, right? It is. It is. I mean, like you have to consider um, we, we're, we're still in baby steps. I mean, uh, this thing has been around for what, like um, 13 years? That's yeah. nothing. I mean, if you look at the uh, traditional finance, I mean, it has been around for, I don't know, 500 years, 600 years. And yeah. they're also not safe, right? I mean, you also have still scandals. I mean, Lehman is not a, a very far away. I, I, I was actually, um, it sounds crazy, I was short. Sounds I'm not. I'm gonna get judged for this, but um, I was working for like um, for a trading a trading firm in 2008. I was shorting Bear Stearns for our clients at Lehman Brothers. Oh wow! Right? Isn't that just like yeah? Yeah. The irony. <laughs> the the irony is kind of like has never left me. But it's just there's you know, and I think that. We've, we've seen things like in 2008, 2009 with like Bernie Madoff. We're now seeing um, probably not as big, but equally as horrendous um, with like Sam Bankman-Fried um, and FTX. Um, but again, and look, it's horrendous whenever something like that happens. And you only need to go on Twitter for five seconds to really see how people are being personally affected by it. Um, it does give it does create in my mind an opportunity for companies like BitMEX to really like push forward and actually really separate themselves and actually solidify their position as like a market leader. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been around for such a long time, as I mentioned, like for eight years and it was kind of like, I mean, of course I, I cannot, I cannot cheer because FTX, I mean, FTX has, has been one of our, major uh, competitors sure. um and i cannot now cheer because and there is no ftx anymore because obviously the whole industry is suffering and yeah. our clients lost a lot of money yeah. um this is this is no good for anybody but it's it's somehow in this whole chaos it's beautiful to see that the ogs uh who most 
started trading on BitMEX because it has been around for such a long time are coming back. Or it's it's funny how, I mean, I haven't been for such a long time at BitMEX, only for nine months. But you're going to tell me nine months at BitMEX is like 10 years uh, in a normal <laughs> industry. Um, but when I just joined BitMEX, BitMEX used to be the boring crypto platform, right? People were telling us, oh, you're not listing all these coins, you're not doing spot, you're not doing fiat, etc." And it's funny how all these negative sides for which we were kind of like uh, pointed by the finger, today it's, it's positive. So now the clients come to us and they're like, guys, you're doing so well. We trust Archer. We trust BitMEX. You're safe. We know it. We're coming back. We're going to trade on BitMEX. <laughs> That's great. That's what you want, right? Yeah, and, and you've been you've obviously you've been building up your brands as well, which look it doesn't determine what's going on behind the scenes in any company, but it, it's it's huge validation, you know, in terms of the fact that is it AC Milan you're sponsoring like eight you're you're sponsoring AC Milan? That yeah, that's got a yeah, is that yeah? <laughs> awesome. Look, I, I you know I I I grew up in the nineties when Serie A was like just the, the best thing in the world, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've got I've got like family friends from Milan, so there's obviously a huge soft spot, spot soft spot there for them. So. Have you have you ever uh, attended any of the matches? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's used to... amazing. It's just amazing. You you must have seen it to believe it, right? But you know, I I was very lucky that again I I grew up in North London, and for my since I, I was really into Arsenal when I was young. Um, when, when we were like playing in all the Champions League matches, and I was very fortunate. I got to see, um, I saw, yeah, AC Milan, Inter Milan, like like every single Roma. Well, yeah, you can imagine. I, I've I've seen all the all the big games, but there's there's nothing nothing like quite like going to the games and just oh, yeah, yeah. In front of you. so yeah. it's incredible. Actually, look, enough about my personal passions. <laughs> What about your personal passions? You're living in, as we've determined previously, you're living in my second uh, favorite uh, country in Europe. It's definitely the most beautiful. Um, so, I mean, w- what are you passionate about away from, away from, uh, not even necessarily away from work, but in general? Yeah, well, you have to be careful when you're saying your second uh, uh, favorite country. You're gonna make a lot of people very jealous. <laughs> Do you know what? I I don't know about that, but I was going to say, I, I just, I, I think that I have a huge affinity like for Spain and as much, I, I love, I love going to Switzerland. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely the most beautiful country. I've just got, I've got a huge soft spot for Spain. I always have done. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I can guess why you like Switzerland and your second, I guess the chocolate or is that the cheese? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, one, of, one amongst many reasons. <laughs> You know yeah, what? I haven't actually yeah. been there for like a few years, but it's just it's just such a special place. And I think that um have you been to Zermatt? Of course. Of course. That's that's the most beautiful spot on the planet. I was gonna say they give out free lint everywhere, but um <laughs> but it's um no, it, it it it's really like beautiful. And I think that um going up like um on the cable carts. Absolutely. But it's funny that you're starting to talk about Zermatt because I was going to tell you, well, you asked me what I'm passionate about. Well, I think you got it. Uh, It's just nature being outdoor. So as much as the crypto world is such a fast paced environment, highly demanding in terms of working uh, hours, focused dedication, um, 
I need to go back to nature. And it's, uh, it's so beautiful because it's, it gives me this possibility to relativize. So I suddenly just become so small, so tiny, and all the problems that I've been thinking they're so hard to solve, they just disappear. I know it's a play around my, my, my brain, but you know, for that very short moment, I have some peace and quiet and also it helps to think. Okay. Have you done the train journey from Geneva to Vesp, which goes through the mountain and, and it, it, I think it goes to, it goes all the way, sorry, or, or Vesp to Zermatt. No, uh, it's yeah. Geneva to Vesp to of course, beautiful. Beautiful. If you ever want like time to like clear your mind and just appreciate the world and nature around you, Absolutely. that is something that that is really. I, I went with my um, I think I went with my girlfriend at the time. I took her for a birthday. I think it was like, God, it must have been four years ago. Five, I don't know actually, five years ago. It was a long time ago, and it was just unfortunately it was the last time I went to Switzerland. But it is, it's just so really, really special it and is. expensive. <laughs> Of course, <laughs> nothing comes for free in this country. No, no, no. But yeah, it's definitely a very, ple very pleasant and nice place to be. I was gonna say, actually, the Toblerone reception in the hotel—that that was free. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and in, in terms of in terms of like working for for Bitmex, like you know, it's obviously you know your high energy. You got as a company. I mean, you, I mean, your high energy, high energy as well. But as a company, high energy. You've got like a really like nice brand. Um, what, what what's the company culture like? What are the people like working at Bitmex? I mean, my point of view and experience is that I get to work with teams of cool, brilliant, dedicated, and hardworking people who hail from all over the world, and everyone is governed by purpose and has their own reason for believing in Bitcoin, crypto this industry and curiosity of the new. And what might be new is what drove many across. Also the notion and idea that traditional finance needed a facelift, mostly for their own experiences. No one has the same career path. No one studied crypto at university. Yeah. And this means we have backgrounds from various industries, so we get amazing perspectives and ways to work through problems. It's just, um, I'm almost tempted to say, it's probably the best place I've ever worked. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's, that, 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 that's, yeah. Nice. that's nice to hear. I mean, yeah. I don't know if anyone would say that about Rayon, that, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm a nightmare to work for. <laughs> I mean, like, there is like, there is something, and and I think what is quite interesting is that when we started doing the podcasts, um, like they were really like overly technical, and we we didn't actually get like loads of views on them, and we found that the really technical podcasts weren't particularly interesting, and we started speaking to a lot of companies in the crypto space, and we were like, look, we want people who are more personable. And there seems to be an appreciation now, especially within the blockchain and fintech world, they need like to really focus on the soft skills and hire people that are getting it on along with others. And actually, funny, I've had a meeting today about like, you know, like tech companies, particularly in like Europe, they're looking for people, they're looking to hire people 
that have not just sales ability, but they just have that human touch, you know? And I feel that the crypto world has probably been lacking in that. And only now is starting to think, you know what? That's part of the culture. That's part of the identity. Um, and, and there's definitely this like need uh, for comp sorry, not need rather companies are competing cop for that. It's like a culture war now, isn't it? Between companies, see who can get the right people in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, this whole crypto thing started with developers, right? So that's very technical people. So they build the whole thing and then it's, it's like in any company, actually, if you think about it, so you have the technical guys starting the, the company. And then at some point when they're finished with the, with the minimum viable product, they, they get the sales to distribute it, right? And it's about the, the same concept here. Um, and I think you need those kind of people if you want to uh, improve the UX. And this is a very, very key element uh, in order to make, for instance, DeFi more approachable, more mainstream. So that was kind of the role of um, centralized exchanges like BitMEX. Right, so they they were this intermediary which brought um, crypto to the mainstream, and I still believe that um, they are needed. They are the backbone of, of the crypto economy. I think, yeah. I, I, so I was again. I, it's so funny how much is going on in this industry at the moment. I think centralized exchanges are key right now more more than ever. Right. I, I, again, and I had I hadn't I, I can say this, I filmed another podcast earlier today and we kind of like were debating about this, like desire for like decentralized exchanges. Mm. I, I don't see that we're there yet. I, I, I don't see that it's, you know, I, I think that actually this this belief that everyone is just going to govern everything themselves and be honest, like we've already seen it. We know it doesn't work, you know, and. It... Yeah, I mean, like. The problem, I mean, I, I love the idea of DeFi uh, and that should be actually the future. It's getting rid of all these intermediaries, of course, um, making people, empower people and let them decide uh, for themselves. But I also see and realize that there are many people, they don't want that. They just don't want this freedom. They want somebody to do it on their behalf. And uh, the other problem of, of DeFi is just the UX. I mean, I have I have clients who are trading uh, on DeFi, doing arbitrage strategies within DeFi, between DeFi and uh, and centralized exchanges, etc. It's a nightmare to trade. I mean, to, if you're professional and you want to replicate your high frequency trading strategies in DeFi, that's near impossible, or it involves a lot of work, a lot of development. Uh, funny enough, so uh, about three weeks ago. Um, I felt like we were in a different world. I had a meeting with like FTX and they wanted me to help them. Um, like they wanted me to introduce them to like uh, crypto traders, right? For for like for like the DeFi space. Um, again, I, I didn't get into it so far, the the um to really find out the ins and outs of it, but we had we had we had a meeting probably for about an hour. Um and it just in my mind the decentralization space and again i said this on the podcast earlier we're not there yet it, because like for someone like myself someone like my parents i don't trust myself to have a hardware wallet i really <laughs> don't I, I don't i'd much rather just have a centralized exchange that was regulated and i'm not saying that 
like the governments are perfect, right? But you know what will happen with these decentralized platforms? We'll just go down a path where they grow and grow and grow and grow. There'll be more and more like issues and scandals. And then at some point, people go, you know what we need? We need some form of governance to make sure that, that this doesn't happen. And we're going to, so, you know, I, I think there's, there's a certain challenge for the regulators, but going back to, um, you know, the competition and going back to uh, the opportunity, whoever regulates this space first, whoever really like has their hand in it and does it the right way, I think they're going to fly, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I mean, there is regulation and regulation. I think after what happened at FTX, many people have a big confusion in their minds and they confuse crypto with fraud. They, I think most of the people, they, they read all these headlines, you know, the mainstream headlines and and it, it's it's not about crypto. Uh, Enron didn't happen during crypto. Lehman didn't happen during crypto. Bernie Madoff didn't happen during crypto. So we're talking about bad governance or no governance at all and fraud. Right, it's fraud, right? So, the, so that's it. So, uh, uh, and again, I've said, I've said this like before this happened. My issue with crypto is definitely not in the crypto right? It's not in the technology. My issue is with the people, right? In human nature. And you're right, like with, with Enron, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Smart Guys in the Room, but they applied like mark to market accounting, which, you know, yeah. it was an opportunity, again, fraudulent activity, Lehman Brothers, you could argue, you could actually argue with like Dick Ford and the way he, the mismanagement of it, right? They're almost like, basing the valuation of assets on their own opinion to a certain extent, right? Um, they turned down opportunities to, I think, like buy out from like Mitsubishi. I think Barclays almost early on had a chance. I think it was Alistair Darling, who was Chancellor of the Exchequer in the UK at the time. I think he vetoed it. Um, and then I think with Madoff, Madoff is the one that gets like, like, like gets to me a bit because it's like, we never got to the bottom of it, right? What actually happened there? Um, but I have to say that this one with with SBF is I don't think it's anything that anyone should be surprised about. But I think that actually it shouldn't be something that is detrimental to centralized exchanges at all. I think it should be something where we're actually, like you were saying earlier, it just needs like the right type of regulation. But in terms of, of of like in terms of that, sorry if I'm I'm pivoting somewhat. But how do you guys, when you see what's going on in the world, how do you stand out from the competition? Well, I mean, as I mentioned maybe earlier, um, we never really deviated so much from our early days um, vision, mission, and targets. I mean, it has always been the same um, since the start because Bitmax has been. Um, created on the ashes of Mt. Gox. Don't forget that. It was just after Mt. Gox went down. So it was very, very important for the founders to always have the, the, the funds of the clients safe. So we are a crypto exchange OG, <laughs> one of the very first ones. And uh, the first rule of operating the crypto exchange is don't ever lose your users' funds. So security is very rigorous and we're we're kind of hearing our clients right now um, and they are telling us, oh, um, we, I mean, 
we understand them. Uh, they, they have been really burned by FTX and they're very cautious. And when they're thinking of leaving their assets on an exchange, of course, they think about it not even twice, but maybe at least 100 times sure. before they take the yeah. decision. Um, but we still think, I mean, we're looking, of course, at all the different uh, solutions which are out there. Um, people are talking about self-custody uh, solutions. People are talking about third-party custody, etc. We still believe that the safest way is with us. Because when we analyze the different possibilities which are available on the market, it's just another centralized way to keep the assets. But isn't that an opportunity? Like, like if you have a third, if there's a third party custodian, like, is that not a, a good like balance? Well, I'm not sure because you know, on the paper, like every time, it sounds very interesting and attractive. And when you've been burned on FTX, you want to run to something which looks safer. But I'm not sure how safe these um third party custodians are. Right. So yeah. this is what we are analyzing and scrutinizing right now. Uh, of course, we, we hear our clients, uh, we listen to, um, you know, uh, their fears, and we would like them to, to, to be very comfortable trading on our platform. However, we are not ready to compromise on security because this is really our focus, the security of the assets of our clients. Thank you. I, I do think you're going to have like, and I could be wrong, I have no uh, evidence for this. I do think you're going to see like the JP Morgans, the Morgan Stanleys, the Goldmans start building um, custodians that will be tying with centralized exchanges. Um, I'm sure they're on it. They must be. They must I mean, be. There, there is a difference. I mean, they can start. I mean, you have Fidelity Digital, uh, for for example. Um, I mean, you these guys they can they can build these custodians, but but you know when when you're a high frequency trader. Uh, it needs to to flow right so sure, it, sure. it needs to to go fast and yeah. i'm not sure that these solutions are um today um compatible with the strategies uh run by most of the high frequency traders which are who are operating on on centralized exchanges i get you i mean uh, uh, but in, in terms in terms of uh, crypto what does this mean for the future and, and in fact also, what do you not what does it mean for the future? What do you want to see for the future of crypto? Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm constantly asked this question. Also, um, you know, right after it was original the question. No. Yeah, like, you it's know, an interesting question though. I, I'm I'm gonna tell you a story. So, uh, on the day of the fallout of FTX, so I was at Token 2049 in London, <laughs> and I was supposed to hold the uh, fireside chats. Uh, you can imagine that all the whole thing that I prepared for for the for the fireside chat just like fell, just yeah. poof, gone. <laughs> yeah. So the world before and after. No, I mean, look, I don't have the crystal ball. I cannot really tell you um, the future of crypto. Um, I cannot tell you if Bitcoin is going to zero, is going to one million. I have no idea. The other, the only thing I can say is, yeah, we've been around for for such a long time. And people, I think people realized the power of the technology and brought a total new concept for finance, governance, peer-to-peer -peer payments and loans uh, with the aspects of DeFi and DAOs. I mean, you cannot scrap these things off the table so easily. And uh, 
I would even say that if you live in the developed world with a working fiat currency, you don't really understand the need of another option. If you're working in a country paid in a poorly performing currency, you're going to find it hard to make your move literally and figuratively internationally if you're looking for one. So you ha we have to keep that in mind. It, it's, I mean, I personally, in my very humble opinion, think it's there to stay. You gave the hope to all these people. You cannot take it away. I have to say, I, I agree with you. I think that again, we're, there's definitely like, we're standing at like a, a fork in the road. And I think that, you know, like when, when you talk about, all I'm thinking about when you say that is really like Africa and like the unbanked, like Absolutely. I'm very fortunate. I get to speak to a lot of like young developers and, and companies, fintechs um, across all of Africa. I've spoken to at least 50, uh, fintechs, at least 15, maybe 20 different countries there. And they use it, right? It has a practical use for them, um, as, especially for the unbanked. And I think that more than anything, it, you know, not just the practical element to it, but also there's, there's a large part of it is like hope that they can actually build something sustainable because as much as we might complain here in the West and especially in the UK, right? I speak to a lot of Americans who obviously, you know, aren't, aren't particularly happy with their country. Um, it does come back to personal responsibility. And I think that's it for, especially, I don't know if you've traveled around Africa. I love Africa. Not really. I, I didn't have a chance yet. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know if you're an animal lover, but like, um, you know, like I, I'm very fortunate. I've been able to like travel around like Kenya and South Africa and Tanzania. And, you know, they don't have they, the average person, not the average person, a lot of people there, they don't have bank accounts. Um, and I think that something like crypto is such a core element, to just allowing them to like trade with each other, you know? Absolutely. Anything which is peer-to-peer -peer is uh, is saving these people. And uh, and and that's that's how actually crypto is is right now used most of the time, right? That's all peer-to-peer -peer, uh, trades or transactions most of the time. But there are also a lot of like unscrupulous people out there who are taking advantage of it, and I, I think again that that's why like I'm I see huge value in the centralized exchanges. I also see huge value in um, the right kind of regulation. Um, but you know, it, it also creates and going back to what I've always said, it, opportunity for Bitmex. Like, where does like where does Bitmex go from here? And in terms of like, what does the future look like for you, for you guys in terms of not just from a business perspective or a technological perspective, from a partnerships perspective, you know, you're, again, I, I'm seeing your brand everywhere at the moment. I'm happy to say to, that you're saying that. Yeah. No, no, genuinely, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure, look, you must know it, right? It's... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I feel the, the, the work, I mean, we're obviously working very hard, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that you're saying, you're seeing us everywhere. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, look, this is, this is, of course, a great opportunity for us. Uh, we've been, we've been for, for such a long time in this industry, uh, what makes us veterans, and, um, we know what what to to do now, and definitely what not to do. <laughs> um, we have all the workings of a great exchange that will continue to provide provide institutional and professional traders a platform that delivers, and um, that they know that their funds are secure and segregated. 
And on that, we're building, we're building relationships, we're building partnerships, uh, we're working with um, affiliates, um, partners with brokers, prime brokers, retail brokers. Wow, okay. And that and that enables us to to reach out to the people. And uh, yeah. But did you see it? I mean, do you see it as it's essentially like it, it's a crypto bank then that essentially you're building, right? In terms of everything, in terms of like, the, there's a lot of like, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that maybe, but there's a lot of like breadth and depth there, no? Well, I mean, look, um, you have to ask yourself, so what is a bank? I mean, it's the whole crypto industry. What what they've been actually doing is is not in, they didn't reinvent the wheel, right? So what they have been doing is looking at the financial market, the financial institutions, what they are doing, and and each company uh, st started to take some chunks of this old world and replicate it in the crypto world. Yeah. And to answer your question, yeah, you can you can see Bitmax as a sort of bank. We are operating certain services which look like uh, services provided by banks. Absolutely. That that's probably what the crypto world actually needs. Um, Salami, it, it's been great to have you with us today. I, I really do appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you, Lawrence. It was also a pleasure. Great to see you.